Amen, church. Is it well with your soul this morning? Is it well with your soul? Is God good or what? Praise God in heaven. One day he will split the sky and come down and we're going home. Amen? Hallelujah. The future is bright for those who know Christ Jesus. Amen? Well, you know, last week we started a... Uh, first of all, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 uh, through 4, if you will. And as you're turning there, uh, last week we began here at Coastal Deer Park a series on the core values of who we are as a church, who we believe God wants us to be in our DNA and who we are. And last week we talked about making disciples. God wants us to be a church who not only receive eternal life, but we help others receive eternal life, and they grow in Christ, and they pass it forward. Amen? Making disciples who make disciples. Well, how is it that we can make a disciple until we become a disciple? First of all, we must receive Christ himself. And this week, that's what we're going to look at, the core value and the components of the gospel itself. What actually is the gospel? Before we can make a disciple, we must become one. And we become one as we receive the gospel and the Christ of the gospel himself. And that brings us to 1 Corinthians 15. Read along with me, if you will, starting in verse 1. The Word of God says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which you also received, and which you also stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Let's pray together. It is well with our soul, Lord, because Jesus Christ, You have entered our souls. Father God, we thank You so much that in all Your greatness and all Your holiness, you look down from heaven and you treasure us and you truly love us, Father. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for sending down Jesus from heaven to pay our sin debt, a debt we could never pay ourselves. But Lord, you rescued us through Jesus, your son. We thank you for the gift of the gospel. And I pray that we would never take your son, Jesus, for granted and his blood sacrifice for us. Lord, I pray that you would take your holy word and through your Holy Spirit right now, plant it deep into our souls. And we pray that you would open our eyes, Heavenly Father, to see how wonderful you truly are. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, tenderize our hearts to treasure you as well and to value you and to submit to you. And Lord, not only receive the gospel, but celebrate it and proclaim it to others because your res resurrection power is alive in us. So, Lord, take your word, and would you illumine it to us today? God, would you speak? We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for your undeserved love and kindness, Father. And we pray that you bless this time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the gospel, what exactly is it? The word gospel means good news. The gospel, what is it? The it is the power of God unto salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel, what is it? It is actually a mystery. 
I, I believe for the heavenly host and eons and in the past throughout eternity, I, I think that they had no idea that the creator of the universe, the Lord God Almighty, who created everything, would one day become a part of his creation, take on human form, and the creator would die for his rebellious creation. Do you think anybody saw that coming? I think not. It was a mystery to the heavenly host, and it was a mystery to the prophets throughout the ages, and I'm sad to say it's a mystery to a lot of our neighbors. They don't know that there's a free gift called eternal life waiting for them. It's a mystery. But to you and I who have received Jesus Christ, it's no longer a mystery now, is it? We know. And so this mystery for you and I has become our ministry, that we take this gospel and proclaim it, treasure it, and spread it. Amen? The gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to, as, as Pastor Joey said, we must, we must repeat the glory of the gospel in our hearts and minds so that we guard it, treasure it, and proclaim it. So let's look at the core gospel components this morning, if you will. And uh, we're going to look at the, the sim simple aspects of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And first and foremost, it all starts, it begins with God. In the beginning, there was God. Amen? It all starts with God. It's not about us. It's about him. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke the galaxies into existence. He created the trees and the birds and the plant life and the ocean. And he did all. He created you and he created me. God spoke and he brought out of nothing something. He's the only one that can do that. Take nothingness and make something gorgeous and beautiful. And you and I, we are the crown of his creation. God didn't need us. He's fine with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He was just fine. But he wanted to create us, so he did. Because he wanted a relationship with you and I. He loves us. He wanted fellowship. And all was good. It started with God. He created us. And then one day, we made a horrible decision. What we did basically is this. Yes, God blessed me. God helped me. But don't tell me what to do with my life. Thank you. Help me. Bless me. But don't tell me what to do. I'll run my own life. I prefer to be my own boss. And what is that called? It's called rebellion. We rebelled against God. Bless me, but don't command me what to do. And that's basically called sin. And we've all sinned. And we struggle with that today as well, don't we, people? Anybody besides me? Raise your hand. Come on. Get your exercise. It's called rebellion or sin. And the Bible says in Romans 3, 23, that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. Now, I think there's a lot of people in this room. You're like me. You don't have a problem believing that we're sinners now, do you? I don't. Ask my wife. She can tell you. We, a lot of us, we don't have a problem believing that we're sinners. We struggle with selfishness. We struggle with judging others. We struggle with a lot of different things. I know my past. I know my present, as do you, you, yours. A lot of us don't have a problem believing that we're all sinners and all means all. But I have run across some people who say this. You know what? You said we're, we're sinners, but I've never murdered anybody. And I, I help people all the time. And I'm, I'm not trying to brag, but I'm, I'm the best neighbor in this neighborhood. I'm a good, I'm a good person. I, can't, I don't know that I am a sinner. There are some people like that, maybe even this morning. You're a good person. But what does the Word of God say? It says in Isaiah 64, 6, the Bible says, 
all of our righteous deeds, the best deeds we could ever perform, giving our lives away to help another, giving all of our money to the poor, all of our righteous deeds are as filthy, dirty rags before a holy God. You know what the problem is with that person's line of thinking? That's comparing ourselves with ourselves. We compare ourselves because we can look pretty good when we do that. But in the future, we will not give an account for our lives to our neighbors. We will give an account to our lives before a holy, eternal God. It is appointed for man to die once, and then after that comes the judgment. And you won't stand judgment before your neighbor. We will stand judgment before the Lord God Almighty, the Holy One, the Creator of heaven and earth. And our greatest deeds, our greatest good works, and the, you're the president of the Girl Scouts, or whatever it might be, all those wonderful things before a holy, eternal God is, is dirty, filthy rags, the Bible says. So all means all. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I heard a preacher uh, once say this, don't minimize the, the consequences of our sin. Don't minimize the immensity of the chasm between you and God apart from Christ. Without Christ, we're doomed. Without Christ, we're judged, says the, says the word of God. Amen or oh me? In Christ, amen. And it says that in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. The reward for our rebellion is eternal separation from God or death. That's the truth. And our good works cannot take away our bad sin. It doesn't work that way. A lot of people believe that. If I'm, a good, if I'm good and I do a lot of good and I have a little bit of sin, God will probably let me in. And that's a deception and a lie. We've all sinned. That's the bad news. That's the sad news. But here's the good news. Though we rebelled against God and we said, Lord, uh, bless me, but don't tell me how to run my life. Though we would deserve judgment, instead of sending judgment down from heaven, God sent a Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Instead of judgment from heaven, we get the Son of God to come to, to right our wrongs. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that anyone who believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the peoples of the world that he sent his son Jesus to be crushed, to be tortured, to die, so that we could be cleansed and forgiven. And some people might say, why was it necessary for Jesus to die on a cross? Why was that important? Because the Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 9, 22, the Bible says this, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. The good works doesn't take away the bad sin. Our performance, the best of the best, is filthy, dirty rags before the holiness of God. And God says this, if you want forgiveness, pay with blood. There must be a blood sacrifice according to the scriptures. And Jesus died on the cross as a blood sacrifice for our sins. You know, in God and all of his holiness, one aspect of God's holiness, yes, he's creator. Uh, yes, he's holy. He's righteous. He's all-knowing. He's all-wise. But he is holy, and a part of God's holiness is that he is also just. And when, in his justice, he must punish sin. God cannot wink at sin. 
He hates sin. He loves the sinner. But in his justice, he must punish sin. And there must be a blood sacrifice to punish the sin if there's to be forgiveness. And Jesus Christ, he paid for our forgiveness with his holy blood. He bought forgiveness from God for you with his blood. That's what Jesus has done for us. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, they placed the nails through his hands and in his feet and as he hung on the cross from 12 in the afternoon till 3 p.m. The Bible says that darkness covered the land. As Jesus hung there in a torturous death, the pure and holy one, for three hours there was darkness in the land. What was happening at that time? Your sin and my sin was placed on the holy lamb of God. His blood poured out as your sin and my sin poured in to his holy body. He was being crushed under the weight of our sin, Jesus was. He was being crushed under the weight of the wrath of God and the judgment of God so that you would not have to experience God's wrath and judgment. Is that good news for us? Yes, indeed. For three hours, the Son of God, God the Son, writhed in pain. And towards the end of that three hours, the darkness covered the land. The Roman soldiers were amazed. They were getting a little skittish. And Jesus cried out towards the end. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why in my hour of greatest need have you turned your back on me, Daddy in heaven? I'll tell you why. Because my sin and your sin was piled upon the Holy One. And God can't look at sin. And Jesus died on the cross. And towards the end of his death, he cried out and he said, it is finished. Now you notice he didn't say, I am finished. Because he's not. He said, it is finished. And in the original language, the word is tetelestai. Tetelestai. Now, a lot of people don't understand what that means, but in that day, tetelestai was a very common word. It was used in business transactions. Tetelestai. For example, if someone were to buy a plot of land, when the last cent was paid to purchase that land, across the contract they would write tetelestai, paid in full. If someone were to buy a house, when the last penny was paid to purchase that home, across the, 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 the contract, they would write, Tetelestai, paid in full. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, at the end of that death, he, he cried out in a loud voice and he said, Tetelestai, Father God, paid in full. With my last drop of blood, I have paid for every sin of the human race. With my la not with gold, not with silver, not with dollars, but with my last drop of holy blood, Father God, I've paid for their rebellion. I've paid for their rebellion. And when Jesus did that, there was an earthquake. It shook the ground. It shook Jerusalem. It shook the temple. And inside the temple, you have the Holy of Holies where the, where the presence of God dwells, and there's a big veil weighing hundreds of pounds and separating the place of God and His holiness from the common man. And when Jesus said, it is finished, paid in full, the, it was rent in two from top to bottom. What did Jesus do? He took away the barrier between holy God and sinful man. Jesus took away the barrier between us and God, and Jesus has opened up heaven. And it's only by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that that is done. 
When you look at that and we think about our own good works or our performance and compare that to what Jesus Christ did, Jesus has opened up heaven. Amen? And I'll say this. Do not underestimate the power of Jesus' blood to cleanse and purify you 100%. You know your salvation doesn't depend on anything you do. It depends on what Jesus Christ already did. You just have to trust him fully and give your heart to you can't You can't perform greater and make God love you and make you more acceptable to God. You can't. Jesus Christ bought that. We give our hearts to him and he cleanses us and he covers us with his righteousness. It's all about him. It's all about him. But if we give our hearts to him, he changes our behavior. Amen? Jesus Christ died. And that's a part of the good news. We rebelled and God stepped in through Christ to make it right. But three days later, something wonderful happened. They put the body of Christ in the tomb Friday afternoon. His body was in the tomb all day Saturday. But on Sunday morning, something happened. On Sunday morning, Mary went to the tomb to to, uh, attend to his body. And as she's approaching the tomb, early, early that Sunday morning, there was a violent earthquake, the Bible says. And when she got there, the stone was rolled away. And was Jesus inside? No. He is risen. Jesus Christ not only died for us and took away our sins, but Jesus Christ, he conquered death itself. On the third day, he arose, and Jesus is alive right now. Amen? Jesus Christ conquered death, he conquered the devil, and he conquered sin. And he's alive right now today. Jesus is alive right now. Amen? And he rose from the dead, and he appeared there in the garden to to Mary. And then afterwards, he appeared to his disciples. And then in the road to Emmaus, there were two brothers walking in the resurrected Christ. He appeared to them as well. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrected Jesus appeared to 500 people at one time. And then towards the end, before he ascended into heaven, Jesus appeared to Peter, James, and John on the beach when they were fishing. They were out there in the boat. Jesus called from the shore. He said, children, have you any fish? They said, no. Throw the net on the other side. They did. They couldn't pull it in. There were so many fish. And John says to Peter, that's the Lord. They come ashore and they have breakfast on the beach with Jesus. How about that? He's alive. Jesus Christ is alive. And for 40 days after his resurrection, he he appeared to his disciples. But let me ask you this question. Has Jesus appeared to you? Not in bodily form, but in spirit. Has Jesus Christ revealed himself to you? Do you know him? The resurrected Jesus Christ. Do you know him? He is alive as I speak. He's in this room. He knows what's in your soul. He knows what's in your life. The question is this, is he in your life? Do you know him? He died, he rose again, and he's alive as I speak. Do you know him? And I'll promise you this, if you don't, he wants in your life today. He went through all that pain so that he could be in relationship with you. God treasures you. But you got, we must say yes to Jesus.
Amen? We got to, and that kind of brings us to the next point in, in, our, our, in the sermon today. It's important that we know the facts of the gospel. God loves us. We rebelled against him, but he intervened through Christ. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead with power for our salvation. It's, it's good to know the facts of the gospel, but it's not enough to know the facts of the gospel. We must know the Christ of the gospel. Amen? It's not enough to have knowledge. We must, we must know him personally. Can I get an amen? We, can, we must believe the truths of the gospel, but we must receive personally the Christ of the gospel. It says in Acts 2.21 and Romans 10.13, it says those who call, it doesn't say those who know about the Lord. It says those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There has to come a time in our lives when we call to Jesus Christ to rescue us and to save us. It says in 2 Corinthians 6.2, it says, now is the day of salvation. And that word day is not necessarily a 24-hour to 24-hour period of time, but it's the age of grace. It's the age in which we can receive salvation from the Lord God Almighty through Christ. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came, he he died, he bled, he rose again, and now this is the, the day of salvation. This is the age of grace. If anyone will call upon the name of Jesus Christ, you'll be cleansed, you'll be forgiven, you'll receive the gift of eternal life. You are within this age. And Jesus is coming a second time. He will split the sky and return. And when he does, that age ends. It's over. But you're in the day of salvation now. Or perhaps when we die, if an individual dies without accepting Christ, that time is ended for them. It's appointed to men to die once, and after this comes the judgment. But now is the day of salvation. You're in that time frame. And we must call upon the name of the Lord. If we want eternal life, if we want to be saved, we got to make it. We got to go from general. It's, it's, it's your eternity and your destiny depends upon it. We must go from general to specific knowledge of Christ. We must go from theory to relationship with Christ. For example, we can take we can take the example of marriage. We can read a lot of books on marriage and go into a lot of seminars, but until we say "I do" and live with our spouse, are we married? Not at all. No, until you say, I do, and live with your spouse, you, we can have all the knowledge in the world, and it's good to have knowledge, but you're not married. The same way with Jesus Christ. We can have a lot of knowledge, but until we begin the relationship with the risen Son of God, there's no salvation. There's nothing. Religion is dead. Religion and ritual is from man. It saves not one soul. Jesus is not religion. He's the living God. And Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with the risen Christ. We must know him. And if we know him, our lives change. There's proof of his presence. Amen? So, we need to make it personal. I remember it was a couple years ago. It was a good brother, Glenn. He was here at Deer Park before we became Coastal Deer Park. He was attending the church for several weeks. And uh, we went out to Plaza Azteca, and my wife was out of town. I had more time to hang out with the fellas, you know, eat some chips and salsa. So me and Glenn were sitting there, and I said, Glenn, it's great to have you, man, at Deer Park, and so glad you're here. And, uh, but tell me your story. When, when, did you, uh, when did you come to Christ? When did you accept the Lord, et cetera? And he goes, he goes well, he says, when I was growing up, my daddy used to take me to church, and 
And I, I believe in the Lord, and I quit going to church. I was going to church, and I enjoy your church. I said, okay, well, that's great, Glenn. I said, well, uh, that's good. I'm glad you believe in the Lord. That's great. And to have general knowledge of the Lord, that's a good thing. God loves us. Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, etc. That's good to have general knowledge. But just tell, let me tell you, my brother, to have general knowledge of Jesus will never save us. Nobody goes to heaven with general knowledge. The devil knows about Jesus a lot, but he doesn't submit to him. To have general knowledge will save not one soul. So we have to come to a point where we, make from, we go from general knowledge to very specific. And we say, Jesus, I, I know that you not only died on the cross, but you died on the cross for me. And Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins. And we have to come to a time where we say, Lord Jesus, would you please come into my heart and life and take my sins away? And so until it becomes from, goes from general to specific, uh, there's no salvation. But when we make it specific, that's when we're born again. That's when we're saved, or the Bible talks about. Have, have you done that yet? Is that something you would like to do? And, and Glenn says, actually, I was wanting to ask you about that. I said, well, good. Would you like to receive, make it specific and personal and let Jesus come into your life? Would you like to do that? He said, actually, I would. So I said, well, then just repeat this prayer after me. Jesus is here. He hears this conversation. And he knows all about you. He loves you. So if you want to receive Christ, just repeat this prayer after me. He said, okay. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. He prayed, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on... Lord Jesus, please forgive me of all of my sin. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. Jesus, please come into my life today. Lord Jesus, please. And he prayed to receive Christ. And afterwards, I said, how was that? He goes, well, actually, that was pretty nice. I said, well, good. He goes, that was good. And I, actually, I don't know what to say. I said, well, the Lord's good, isn't he, Glenn? He says, yes, he is. Yes, he is. And over salsa and chips, he, be, he was born again. Amen? There has to be a time where we say, Jesus, come into my life. Take my rebellion, my sin, my selfishness away. And you know, there may be somebody here today. You know about the Lord, but you haven't made it specific. There may be somebody here today that you don't know, that you know, that you know that Jesus Christ is in your life and that you're saved. You may be sitting there thinking, I hope I'm saved. I think I'm, I think I hope. I would not gamble with your eternal destiny and salvation. Please don't do that. Make sure. So I just want to today give you a chance to receive Jesus Christ. There may be somebody here today, and today is your day. The Bible does say today is the day of salvation. So I want to give that opportunity in case there's someone like that uh, this morning. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads just for a moment and close your eyes. And if you're here today and you're not sure, then I'm going to pray and if you would like to invite Jesus to come into your heart and life, you can do it right now. Jesus is here through his Holy Spirit. And if you'd like to do that, you can repeat this prayer either in your heart or out loud to the Lord. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. Lord, thank you that you died on that cross for me, for my sins. Right now, Jesus, I want to ask you, to please forgive me of all of my sins. Lord Jesus, please come into my life. The best I know how, Jesus, right now, I receive you.
come and save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that for the first time, or if you tried to nail that decision down through that prayer, I want to say to you, congratulations. Congratulations. If you prayed that and meant that, you just made the greatest decision of your entire life. Amen, Christians? Accepting Jesus Christ. And when you call out to him, he never is aloof. He's never standing back. He's got his arms open wide. So I say congratulations to you and also say this. If you prayed that prayer, share it with somebody here today that you can trust. With Pastor Joey or myself or some people on the prayer team who are going to come up in a moment and sit up front. Share your decision with them. Because it's the first day of your journey with Christ. God has good things for your future as you connect with Jesus. He's alive. He is real. And he loves you. Amen? Well, people, is it good to be in Christ this morning? Is it good to be recipients of the gospel of Christ? Yes, indeed. And may we be a people who celebrate the gospel and proclaim the gospel and humbly say thank you to God with the way we live it out on a daily basis. Let's pray together. Father, we cannot thank you enough for what you've done to make our salvation possible. We can never repay you. But Lord, we pray that you help us to uh, treasure you and what you've done for us and surrender our lives afresh, even now. Lord, may we live lives of, of humility and may we not have stubborn, rebellious hearts, but hearts that yield to you, the creator of the universe, the giver of eternal life. Lord, help us yield to you afresh this morning. We celebrate the salvation, Father, that you've given us through Jesus, your son. We celebrate and, and are so grateful for your loving heart towards us, Heavenly Father. Thank you, for, thank you for this time. Thank you for the gift of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, you can